The following is a sermon podcast from White Ridge Baptist Church. I think you already preached the message, so we can just <clears throat> we can just go home. I'm telling you, that was that was powerful. Would you bow with me in prayer? Holy Spirit, come. Come and visit us here and in this place. Father, right now I need your gift of self-forgetfulness. You give grace to the lowly and the needy, and we are in need of you. As we open your word together, may we tremble before it. Give us in equal measure a reverent fear of you and a heart of love for you. And as we turn to see the working of you, O Holy Spirit, we know you will in turn immediately fix our eyes on Jesus. Help us to see him today. Amen. Uh, three years ago, <clears throat> Terry uh, had us uh, preaching through the Gospel of John. And uh, one Sunday he had me in the pulpit and had the entire eighth chapter of the book of John. It was difficult to work a message out of that one being so much material. Last summer, if you recall, we were doing uh, the series on the armor of God. And my turn was Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14, and I had an entire eight words. (laughs) You know where I'm going, don't you? Today, Terry gives me one word. (laughs) Uh, Not sure where this leads after this, but... uh, And uh, no pressure here, but whoever did this puts love in the biggest font. No pressure, is it? Yeah, no pressure. Uh, We've reached summer, and uh, Terry last week finished off our series on Galatians. And um, a couple of weeks back, he briefly skimmed over the fruit of the Holy Spirit uh, as we're going to be dealing with that through this uh, summer series. So... If you would, would you stand with me if you're able? And we're going we're gonna to turn to Galatians chapter 5. Um, and I, I'm going to stretch the passage out a little bit here. We're going to go verse 1 and then down to 13 and go through the re- most of the rest of the chapter there. So, Verse 1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery, down to verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Any fruit lovers here? Anybody? Oh, lots of fruit lovers. Okay, I won't ask who loves vegetables because that's not what we're talking about. Uh, I love fruit, uh, certain kinds that is. Um, I went to Indonesia back in 1988 and had my first taste of papaya. Not really my favorite fruit. Um, mango is one of my wife's favorites. Again, not my favorite fruit. But uh, when I grew up in Saskatoon, we had a large crab apple tree in the backyard and my friend and I used to climb up inside of that as they were getting turning nice and red and we'd sit there and eat crab apples and, well, until we ate way too many. Um, as children, or, or sorry, as our children uh, were growing up, we often went and spent se- uh, f- summer vacation with my parents out in uh, Kelowna. And of course, the Okanagan is, or, or at least was, full of orchards. Now it's mostly vineyards. Um, but there, I mean, you can find anything pears, plums, apples, grapes, um, peaches, oranges. Well, no, not oranges. Um, but uh, my favorite there is cherries. And uh, taking the self-pick auction is usually a nice way to spend an hour or two, just so long as you don't eat too many of them right then, or you get in trouble later. Isn't it odd, though, when we think about fruit, that we think about fruit, and not necessarily the tree that it comes from? It's equally easy as we approach this series on the fruit of the Spirit, to slip into moralizing and turning to methodologies to better ourselves. We could then parade our self-efforts before God and others on how we can become more loving, how we can become more joyful, more peaceful, more patient, more kind, etc. The problem is that it leaves us as the reference point and the source of those qualities. You may have heard it before, and certainly with good intentions, that I need to be more loving, or I need to be more kind, or I need to be more patient. 
wonderful desires, not knocking the intention. But if we pursue that by ourselves, and we are the source of the fruit, then we'll likely end up looking a lot like us, and not Jesus. And would more self-determined, self-driven fruit, in this case, love, the topic for today, be acceptable in God's sight? We're gathered here today to hear from God's word about the fruit of the Spirit of God, not the fruit of the flesh, not the fruit of good works, and not the fruit of law adherence. I wanna help set the stage for this series, so bear with me please. Uh, I will get to the fruit of love, but I think it's critically important for us to take a step back and briefly, very briefly, get a refresher of Galatians and God's purpose through Paul's pen, and to take in the book-sized context so that we can understand and grasp more fully the impact of what Paul is writing here in chapter five. I believe the content of this chapter is the capstone and the key. And certainly elsewhere, Paul refers to the dunamis, or the Holy Spirit, as the power of God, and he flows out through the life of the Christian in walking by the Spirit, is being led by the Spirit, is living by the Spirit, and keeping in step with the Spirit. And I promise I will get to the fruit of love later on. I was pondering earlier this week as I was preparing the message, why does Paul even put the fruit of the Spirit into the book of Galatians? Now you and I know the obvious. He was being led along by the Holy Spirit writing the inspired word, but just follow along with me on this. Isn't the theme of the book really about addressing the confusion arising in Paul's day about the gospel? intercepting it with vivid and pointed language the necessity to keep it pure and untainted. Warning us not to yield again to a yoke of religious chains. Wasn't there a falling away, a confusion that was growing so quickly over the simplicity of the gospel and fetters being placed on it on the freedom of the Christian, as Terry called them, RTDs, religiously transmitted diseases, causing believers, even apostles, to fall back into works of the law. Is it faith alone? Or is it faith plus? And you fill in the blank that saves us. Confusion about the gospel did not just happen in Paul's day. Two years ago we were celebrating the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, of whom Martin Luther was a principal figure. The Church of Rome ruled the world at that time and there was a growing restlessness in some of the clergy of the day with regards to the abuses of the papacy and the leadership of the Roman Catholic Church. When you think of the Reformation and what was recovered about the gospel through the Reformation, what most quickly comes to mind for most Protestants is the five solas. The returning to scripture alone by Christ alone, through faith alone, by grace alone, for the glory of God alone. Now to be clear, it's not that Protestants believe in Christ and Catholics don't. It's not that Protestants believe in grace and Catholics don't. They do believe in all of those. 
and stress them very much, but just not alone. It was added on to by RTDs. It was not Scripture alone, but Scripture plus the traditions, the councils, and the word of the Pope. It was not Christ alone, but Christ plus the merit of the saints. It was not faith alone, but faith plus good works, etc. Confusion about the gospel is not unique to the 1500s or Paul's day. It's also unique, or unique. (laughs) It also happens today in the 21st century in our Western culture. And so the message of Galatians and this entire series has been very timely and needed. And let's take a very brief, very brief recap of the book. Paul reminds us in chapters 1 and 2 that it was the Lord Jesus Christ himself who gave himself for our sins. That it was he who called you in the grace of Christ. That through the law we died to the law that we might live to God. That it is no longer we who live, but it is Christ who lives in us. And that the life we now live in the flesh, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. So what we see here is that Christ gave himself for us, he called us, he redeemed us, and he now takes up residence in those who place their faith in him. In chapter three, Paul gives what I believe to be a preview of the point of chapter five. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? So from the scriptures, we understand that the Spirit is not just an add-on, but essential for the Christian life, and he is received by faith alone, not by law adherence. And it is his work of perfecting us, not by works of the flesh. Now we jump into chapter five, and Paul charges us that it was for freedom that Christ set us free and to stand firm and not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Whether that be a plaguing sin, self-efforts, religious duties and requirements, or traditions. In fact, Paul follows that up by saying that in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Told you I'd get to the topic of love. We were called to be free and through love to serve one another. Now we've arrived at our passage for today and Paul draws a dramatic comparative to the life lived in the flesh and the one that is lived through the Holy Spirit. They are night and day. What is the critical component? What is the difference? It is the essence, the very presence of the living God being resident in and living through the surrendered heart. Not perfectly, but consistently, a man, woman, or child who moment by moment, hour by hour, day by day, walks by faith with, is being led by, keeps in step with, and finds their very life in dependency upon the Holy Spirit. 
If we are to understand what the fruit of the Spirit looks like, smells like, tastes like, walks like, sounds like, then I propose we must know more about the Spirit. After all, in this short passage, he's referred to seven times. It is the fruit of him. Not some abstract being or self-effort. The scriptures tell us that he is the Spirit of the Father. He is the Spirit of the Son. He is God, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. And I think it is absolutely crucial to put our ears to the rail and hear his heartbeat, to hear the heart of God. After all, love is the fruit or outcome of the Spirit of God taking up residence in the heart of the redeemed sinner. The accomplishment of the gospel is not just the salvation of the sinner from eternal damnation. It's not. That's not the whole of it. As necessary and desired and wonderful as that is, that promise, eternal life is so much more. God is the very destination. God is the gospel. God is the good news. It is God himself through the person of his spirit in filling the saint and giving him everything required for life and godliness. The fruit of the Spirit will be the very outflow of the person who has found Christ to be his greatest pleasure and holds to him as his greatest treasure. Love is the topic today, but this fruit is not human love, it is divine love. So I propose that the fruit of the Spirit is evident not as natural characteristics of an individual, but that which can only be evident as the transforming work of, the, of God in our lives. This is not natural love. It is the fruits, a spirit's fruit, not man's. And the fruit of the spirit, I believe, would be evident in at least two ways. First way, it takes the spirit of God to love God. It takes the Spirit of God to love God. If you love God here today, if you love Jesus, it is because God has called you to himself and given you new affections. 1 John 4.10 says, if we love him because he first loved us. He has quickened your spirit and now the Spirit of God dwells in you. You cannot love God of your own accord. You can't. The unregenerate heart has no flame for his. In fact, it stands in opposition to God at every turn. Paul makes it very clear in the, a few verses earlier, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. I think this is brought to even greater clarity just by going back to the some of the writings of Martin Luther and what was recovered through the Reformation. As important as the five solas are, you could call them the body of the Reformation, but what is the heart that was recovered, the heart of the Reformation? I believe it was the radical recovery of the loving heart of God 
that and what that heart has accomplished in the heart of man. In April 1518, a group of Augustinian monks gathered in Heidelberg, Germany, where Martin Luther presented 40 theses, or arguments, and, uh, at an event called the Heidelberg Dis Disputation. Thesis number 28 is the one I want to draw you Everything okay? <laughs> Thesis number 28 is the one I want to draw your attention to. Please listen to this. It's short, but listen to this as I believe it is absolutely critical to understanding this message today. Here it is. The love of God does not find but creates that which is pleasing to it. The love of God does not find, but creates that which is pleasing to it. In contrast, the love of man comes into being through that which is pleasing to it. Jason Meyer, pastor of Bethlehem Church in Minneapolis, quoting him, he says, Luther loved contrast. Do you hear what he is saying? The contrast of divine love and human love? Human love is a reaction of attraction. You start with loveliness and then love comes in response. You look around and see something beautiful and then love comes. Divine love is exactly the opposite. It is love first. It is not like God is looking around the mass of humanity to try to find the morally beautiful and then he sets his love on them. It is love first. He sets his love on the morally ugly, the ungodly, and then they're loved. They are loved because they're loved. And then miracle happens and they become lovely. Do you think Christ married us, his bride, for our good looks? Really? It does not say anything like that in Scripture. No, he gave himself for our sins. That is his love for us. Then and only then does Paul say, he gave himself then to sanctify his bride and to cleanse her with the washing of the water of the word to become holy and without blemish and to be presented before his father. We are unlovely. And from eternity, there is love so that we are loved and then we become lovely, end quote. This is too important to apply later. It takes the Spirit of God to love God, and the fruit of the Spirit is only a result of union with Christ by faith alone. It is only for those who are in Christ. So you need to know you're in. So, are you in? All the promises of God 
the blood-bought, Christ-wrought blessings, top of which is having his spirit dwelling in you, is found nowhere else but in Christ alone. It's not in Muhammad. It's not in Buddha. It's not anywhere else. It's Christ alone. If you don't know Jesus, if you have no anchor in your life of faith in what he accomplished on the cross, but there's a stirring deep in your soul and interest and affection growing, then it's quite possibly that God is calling you to himself. Don't resist that. Don't harden your heart today. Today's is a day of salvation, and we would absolutely love to talk to you more about that before you leave. So number one, it takes the Spirit of God to love God, and number two, it takes the Spirit of God to love others. The fruit of the Spirit is love. So if it is his fruit... What is our role? <laughs> Picture yourself, you're a branch, okay? You wanna make cherries? Okay, not a good description. What, what does a branch do? It just stays attached to the tree. Jesus said to his disciples right before being tried and crucified, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me, John 15, 4. It's easier said than done, I know. As humans, it seems we're just wired to work. If it's going to be, it's up to me. But Jesus is saying, you need to stay in me, focus on me, learn from me, abide in me. And what's his promise? I am the vine, you are the branches. Just in case there was any confusion there. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And then the icing on the cake. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. <laughs> As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. There it is. Fruit of the Spirit, from being Spirit-filled. Resting in Jesus, eyes on Him, outflowing in love both for God and for others. So our job is to abide. His is to produce the fruit. Last question then is, what would the fruit look like? If I can't produce it, but God does that through me, then reason says it should look like divine love, not, not human love. There would be evidence that something 
that is unnatural, unexplainable in human perspectives. And perhaps it's like what is seen in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which you can just go read that this afternoon. As I was preparing the message this week, I wanted to be applicatory in the conclusion of it, and lo and behold, probably because I'm a problem solver by nature and by career, I have found I had written three things that men, women, and children could do that would be evident of the Spirit working in their lives. And then it dawned on me yesterday that in this text in Galatians, there's no imperative. There's no command. It just says, where the Spirit is, there's fruit. The fruit of divine love is a fruit of the Spirit, period. End of story. But what might it look like? Girish actually read it earlier, so he took the thunder away from me, but I'm just going to read 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And if I give away all that I have and I deliver my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. It does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Love never ends. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three. But the greatest of these is love. And as we come to the table of the Lord today, would you just turn your eyes towards the cross for a moment? And look at the symbol of where divine love met mankind. And be reminded of his outrageous love for you and how he wants to outrageously love through you and be grateful.
Thank you, Steve, so much for being faithful to Christ and his word. And as we come to this table, uh, let us be reminded, even as Steve has given us the reminder, that we don't get invited to this table because we're lovely or lovable or loving. <laughs> In fact, we're often none of those things. We are invited to this table because of the fact that Jesus Christ is all that. And he took the initiative for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and gave his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And so, friends, visitors, uh, this, this, after, this morning we are here because of Jesus Christ. And if you know him and if you have given your life to him, if you're trusting in him, though you continue to fail, and your love grows so weak, uh, may you come to this table and receive from these elements knowing that Jesus Christ is your life. And let me just pray over these before the ushers come and hand them out. And now, God, as we come to this table, we thank you for the reminder today that it is all of grace that we are bolstered and positioned and sustained in your presence because of what Jesus Christ did not only on the cross, but when he was raised to new life and is now at the right hand of the Father, when he sent his spirit, and now as he lives within each one who knows him, we pray, Jesus, that you will remind us this day of our poverty and of your wealth in Christ. And help us, O oh Lord, to be grateful, this bread, which represents your broken body on the cross for our sins in our place, and the cup, which represents your shed blood, a reminder that you died for us. Bless us as we receive this now in Jesus' name. Amen.
folks get their elements handed to them, I just want to ask you to bring into your mind Christ Jesus hung on the cross, thinking of the incredible love that, that held him there. Not the nails, but the love that held him there. Love for you, love for sinners like us. And think about how many times, maybe even this past week, your love fell short. Your love ended. And that's where faith steps in, where your love ends. And you trust in Christ for that divine love, for that person that's hard to love, or for that situation, whatever it might be. And ask Christ to just fill you today with his spirit. And even now, as we partake of the bread, remember this is the this represents the body of our Lord Jesus given for us. Eat it in remembrance of him. And this cup represents the blood of our Savior shed for us. Drink in remembrance of him. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We're going to wait upon you now for uh, a, a benevolent offering, as is our custom. And uh, there'll be two trays that come around. One will be collecting the cups, and the second one will be collecting the offering. And, and we've invited Cassie to share with us another song. God bless you, Cassie. Thank you for being with us. And uh, Pastor Kevin will close the service after that. I'm grateful this morning. I'm grateful for my friend Steve and for how he has allowed God to speak his word through clear, so clearly and plainly through him to us. And I'm grateful this morning to Cassie for sharing the gifts that God's given her to minister to us as well. Uh, if you want to talk with Cassie after, I know she'd love to talk with you. Uh, she has some CDs and things as well, and she'll be at the, at the Welcome Center. Let's, let's pray together. Lord, we are grateful anew for your love for us. It is immeasurable indeed. And we thank you for your spirit that you have imparted to us with such love. Where your spirit is, there is fruit. You indeed have given us uh, so very much to live a life of godliness. And I pray that by your power you would make fruit in us and through us because we know that that's where joy is when we are honoring you as your spirit desires to do. May we be open. May you make our hearts open to continue to grow in this. Bless each one of us as we go from here. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a wonderful day.